At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. What's up, guys? Welcome back. Another episode of the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. We're going to get this done. Now, a couple of weeks ago, as most of you know that listen, I put out a post on social media asking anybody to come forward that has a personal story about how they came through and now have become an HVAC technician. We talked to Neville a couple of weeks ago. He told his story, which was incredible. It was an incredible story. Now we're going to talk to a gentleman by the name of Scott Klein, okay? Scott has an awesome story that he wants to tell. Okay, it's awesome because anybody that's got a story and wants to tell it, I mean, I think that is incredible to tell your story on a personal level. And that's what I think is awesome about this whole thing. The platform that, that, that's there. That is the HVAC Know-It-All podcast that allows other technicians to get on here and talk about their lives. Um, And what Scott's going to talk about, he's going to offer up some information, his email address and his phone number, for that matter, for anybody that wants to get a hold of him and speak to him. So Scott's coming up, guys. This is the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. Hey, Scott. What's going on, man? Living the dream, Gary. How about you? That's um, that's what I try to do every day. Is I, I try to live, I live live a little bit of the dream. But as you and I know, um, nightmares are also dreams. So sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you can have those nightmarish days, right? That's pretty profound. <laughs> but but true, yeah. Pro- nightmares are dreams too. So yeah, it uh, applies pretty well. I'm usually a pretty positive person but i mean there's that and then when somebody says yeah thank god it's friday i'm like yeah but you realize friday is like only two days away from monday right (laughs) yeah yeah and friday is meaningless to hvac guys anyway yeah i mean once you uh when you start out yes i i remember um starting out in the trade my first uh seven to eight years friday didn't mean much to me then now that I've been in and around the same company for almost 20 years and I have a young family, I really, really try. And, I, and it's been, it's worked well for me. Like I, I go on call still, but I don't really work weekends anymore. And I don't really do much after hours work anymore because I have some seniority, which, which is cool. Seniority is cool. And all the younger guys that don't have the young families tend to be the ones that are asked to do the, the, the late night jobs and stuff like that. So. Yeah, they probably want to volunteer for that that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, I did when I was younger yep. because I yeah, wanted the too. money because I wanted yep. to buy a house and I wanted to buy yep. a car and I wanted to buy all this. You know what I mean? Because you, you yep. want you want to you want to get that get that that time yeah. back. You're hungry. That's that's right. You should yeah. be. And if you're not, there's a problem. That's a good sign. I like it when I see people that are hungry for something. So you, um, how long you been in the trade for? 
13 years. 13 years. Cool. So yep. like what, what do you do primarily like, um, residential um, commercial? Yeah, I do. We do residential and commercial. I work for a local company here. I'm in central Pennsylvania and we do mainly commercial installations. Uh, we do new, a little bit of new construction on some custom homes and, um, a lot of repair work, a little bit of refrigeration, which I wish we did more of. I'm going to try to get into more of that. That's a little bit of my, uh, you know, it's in my wheelhouse, I guess, light refrigeration and light commercial, really. So we, we do, uh, if, you, if you look at my Instagram, I describe myself as a broad spectrum service technician. And the reason what? for that is because I've lived uh, in Pennsylvania and in Texas. Mm -hmm. And there's a big... There's a, there's a wide range of types of equipment, heating and cooling, uh, that you have to work on. So it keeps it interesting. So what for, for people that are listening, let's try to get you some more followers. What is your exact Instagram <clears throat> handle? Uh, my Instagram is hbacker, but nobody knows how to pronounce it. So I'll spell it. It's a Y E T A A Y E T C H. V-A-C-K-E-R. Yeah. And, and every time I look at your handle, I, I'm perplexed as to how to say it. Yeah. It's just the letter H spelled out phonetically. Sort <laughs> okay. Of, gotcha. And then backer. So it's H backer. Gotcha. Okay. Cool, man. So um, living, so you live in Pennsylvania now, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so you get the, you get kind of, I mean, you're, you're not too far away from me. So you get the, the cold winters as well, right? Yeah. You and I are generally having the same amount of weather. So you're in the Toronto area, which I'm familiar with. Um, I, I've been up to Toronto many times um, in my BMX days. That was my first passion was riding BMX bikes. Nice. So I did a lot of that um, up until I was about 22, 23. That was pretty much my main focus. Um, not that I ever thought I was going to make a living doing it or turn professional or anything, but it's just so much fun when you're young and you don't have a lot of bills to pay. That's what you do. You have fun. So that's what I did. And uh, we traveled up to Toronto for a lot of different contests and things and had some friends up there in Toronto. That would be one cool thing to get into. I, you know what? I spent my entire childhood in early teens playing soccer. So it was like, and, and at a, at a, a pretty high level, I guess, but it was like from five to like 16, it was like summer, winter, summer, winter, soccer, soccer, soccer. Um, it would have been cool to do stuff like that. Like I had friends that went snowboarding, like your BMX and people were skateboarding. I never got into any of that because it was just like soccer practice, soccer games. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I mean, it, it was, it was good because it kept me in shape and, and like I made a lot of friends, we traveled and, and all that kind of stuff. So that was my thing. And I guess your thing was, was on the BMX bike. So everybody's got, everybody's got their thing, I guess. Yeah. Well, I had a very strange, you know, when you're young, you don't really think that your, your life experiences are that unusual. But as I got older, I realized that I had a very unusual childhood so I, I got into bikes at a very young age. Um, actually, my first memory, I think, is uh, my mom is actually holding me and my dad and his friends are ripping around the yard on dirt bikes. So I was <laughs> immediately fascinated with anything with wheels that goes fast. So when I was four years old, I got my first two-wheel bike and had training wheels, of course. 
and I had the training wheels off in about five minutes and I just took off on that thing. And I remember it vividly. I was only four years old, but from that moment onward, uh, I was on a bicycle pretty much all the time. So because of your, your love for going fast and bikes and stuff like that, and did you have a mechanical side before you got into the HVAC industry? Like yeah, ripping, apart, I did. ripping apart engines and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Well, actually my dad was in the plumbing and heating business when I was a, when I was a little kid. So um, I had a little bit of uh, experience with, going to his shop and the company he worked for it was a fam small family company and in this area that I live in now and he worked for them and I remember walking in they had like a like a bread truck van and I remember being in there and looking at all the copper fittings and you know all the smells that go along with the plumbing and heating trade and the piping and uh just being like away. really <laughs> Sorry. just just enamored with the whole thing you know like wow this is amazing I was, I was going to say, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but remember just before I hit record, I was telling you about my humidifier starting up. Yeah. Can you hear it now? Can you hear the water trickling down the drain? No, I hear my refrigerator. Do you hear my refrigerator? Cause I'm in my no. kitchen. <laughs> no, I don't. I can, I can hear it loud and clear in my really? mic or in my headphones. So everybody that's listening, sorry, but I got to shut my humidifier off. What <laughs> one, one second. Yeah. <clears throat> Okay. So I'm back from shutting down my humidifier. And you know, what's funny, I will, I'm going to say this, what I told you and see if anybody comes out of the woodwork and has any thoughts on this. So when I was talking to Neville last week, and I think the podcast prior to that, when I was in, cause sometimes I do these things remotely when I'm out on site, cause we can't hook up at nighttime or whatever. I shut down the furnace because I don't want the humidifier starting up. And I was telling Scott, when I do that, it seems like my internet signal goes in and out, in and out, in and out. It drops down to like one bar and then sometimes it'll go back up to full bars and be all over the place. But when I leave the fan of the furnace running, the internet signal stays stable. Like it's, it's nuts. So if anybody out there has ever heard of air causing the internet signal to stay stable around the home, like reach out to me because I'd like to hear um, if this is a, if this is a thing. And the other thing, when I, when I'm in my bathroom upstairs in my bedroom, the internet signal, cause it's like, it's the furthest corner from the house upstairs from the internet um, from the modem or whatever. Right. It's the fur furthest corner away. And when I turn the bathroom fan on, I swear to God, my internet signal picks back up on my phone in the bathroom when the door is closed. It's nuts. Wow. So this will be a good social experiment. All the HVAC guys are going to be testing this theory out. This this sounds like a topic for Rocky Delta. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he knows something about that. Maybe. I, I would like to I'd like to hear anybody's input on this because if airflow helps with internet signal, um Imagine the selling features that an HVAC tech could have walking into a home. Like I can, I can yeah. increase your airflow and increase your internet signal. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, we'll have to test that out. Anyway, so you reached out to me um, a couple of weeks ago, as did Neville from last week. Did you listen to Neville's podcast by any chance? No, I didn't. I my podcasts are backed up right now a little bit. I've been pretty busy uh, lately. I haven't gotten to catch not, up on everybody. Not not a problem. I won't. Um, 
I won't look down upon you for that. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> but Neville, Neville told a really good story. Um, I, don't know, I wouldn't say good, but he told his story, which, um, which was his life and how he came to the point he's at now and how he got through it all and stuff like that. And you have your own story. And you reached out and you said, hey, I'd like to tell my story because um, you feel it's important and you're, you're more than welcome to do that. So, I mean, you, you can okay. take it from, from, from wherever you want to take it. Go ahead. Yeah. So, obviously, we talked about uh, my life revolving around BMX bikes. And, and uh, so, when I started, obviously, my first job then was working at a bike shop. And, uh, you know, mechanical things have just always been my thing. I, I literally don't even remember being taught how to use tools. I was so little. Uh, my dad was always working on stuff. And by stuff, I mean everything. If it was broken, my dad fixed it. And so I worked at a bike shop. And then I worked with my dad after that. And he had gotten out of the plumbing and heating business. And he was doing uh, truck tires, used truck tires. And you probably aren't too many people that are familiar with used truck tire business, but basically it's like the most horrible, dirty, sweaty, nasty kind of work. Truck tires are really heavy, um, but you can actually make pretty good money doing it. But it's one of those things that not very many people want to do it because it's really hard, sweaty, dirty work. But that's what my dad did. So he was paying me $10 an hour when I was 13 years old to do that. So I did that with him part-time and uh, it's very good for the upper body. I will say that mm -hmm. several hundred truck tires around all day long. And uh, eventually um, got a job working at a tire and lube place. And uh, you know, I did pizza delivery, which was really good for me. Um, I learned how to hustle and work at a really fast pace doing pizza, which uh, you know, once you do the pizza deal for a while, you can kind of do it off and on. I did pizza delivery and, and uh, some, some management in the pizza business um, off and on over the years. It's good for if you need, you know, some hours at night and stuff like that. And uh, that was where I first was given an opportunity to start training people. Um, so that was where my, I first started getting my feet wet in somewhat of a management role. So, I guess it would have been about, let's see, I'm not really good with dates, but it would have been about 2003. Um, I just, I had been fighting with depression for a long time and I'm going to be really um, open about this because I think it's important because I've learned that a lot of people struggle with these things and, and like me and my experience, I just couldn't talk about it. So I was depressed probably for about five years. I was fighting depression and uh, I had reached a point in my life where every relationship that I had was broken. You know, my parents, my friends weren't really talking to me anymore. And, and nobody knew that I was depressed. Nobody would have ever guessed it. But I just had had enough. And I reached a point where I decided to take my own life one night. And uh, it was truly um, a miracle that I didn't without getting into the specifics, I'll just say that, um, I, I give all the credit to God almighty that I'm still here. And having reflected on this for quite a long time now, um, 
you know, the, the root of it really was selfishness because I was failing at everything. And I felt like, you know, without understanding why, like I'm too good to fail. Like I can't cope with failure, but really there isn't any such thing as failure because anything that you try to accomplish and you don't accomplish it, you learned something from that experience. So there's always a takeaway and kind of put a positive spin on it. And, uh, you know, I, I came through that. And again, uh, I'd like to 100% give the glory to God for that. Um, but I got through that and I needed a fresh start. So I packed up my stuff and I moved to Texas. <clears throat> and I had a friend in Fort Worth and uh, I went down there and uh, honestly started from nothing. So this was in 2005 after I kind of picked up the pieces um, my car had broken down. I had a $500 beater. The engine blew up in Arkansas and I rented a U-Haul and I basically ended up in Denton, Texas. And I had no car. I had no job. I had no money. I had no friends because my friend had moved. Um, I was one step away from being homeless. I had a room rented in a house that was full of cockroaches and fleas and I had no way to pay the rent the next month. So all I had was my bike. Of course, my BMX bike goes with me every, everywhere. To this day, my, my bike is about 10 feet away from me. <laughs> um, that's just how I roll. And starting from that point, uh, it just snowballed from one thing to another for me. Um, I got a job making sandwiches. I didn't really have any skills. Uh, I was tired of working on cars. I didn't want to work on cars anymore. So I was making sandwiches uh, near the University of North Texas campus. Mm -hmm. And I had a friend of mine who worked at a uh, warehouse. So I got a job at this warehouse. And uh, it was around this time that uh, my wife and I got married. Uh, this was in 2006. Um, and then in December of 2006, we bought our first house right after we got married. So things turned around for me really quickly. Um, and life has been getting better and better ever since. So going back to, uh, my battle with depression, I just want to say that if anybody out there is feeling like that, you really need to talk to somebody, please don't be foolish and think that your life is over. I was only 23 years old and I, in retrospect, cannot believe how dumb I was to think that my life was over just because I was experiencing all of these problems. Um, you can overcome it. You can bounce back. If there's anybody out there that is fighting depression or thinking about suicide, please reach out to me. Um, you can reach out through, through Instagram. I'll give you my email address, Gary, you can put my email address on the, uh, on the notes of this podcast. I'll give you my cell phone number. Call me. I will talk to you. Um, I have been there. I have been through it and it is, you can conquer it. Um, I'm not depressed anymore. I don't have that struggle anymore. I have moved past it and you can do it too. If I complete, believe me, I'm not special. If I can get over this, you can get over this. Um, you need to talk to somebody. And if you don't have anybody to talk to, talk to me. That's, uh, that's completely awesome of you to do that, to <clears throat> want to provide your phone number and your, um, and your email address for people to talk to you because 
I mean, there could be a fraction, there could be a large number, who knows, of people listening to this that could be going through this right now. So what you're saying is giving them hope. But I do have questions. Like how, when you were feeling this way, how did you know that you were depressed? Like, did somebody, did, did somebody tell you you're depressed or did you just realize this in retrospect that you were depressed? Um, that's a good question. I guess I, I knew I was depressed because I, I was intentionally hiding it from people. I was intentionally mm -hmm. not telling people how I was feeling. So yeah. I knew I was depressed. Yeah. And, so I, and I, I know people that have like in my life that have felt this way too. Um, and you can, you can see it. They're, they're just not them. They, they go from, they go from being this person that you know, to this person that you don't know. And you're like, what's going on? They become very closed off. And it seems like they're going through that same type of thing. Um, so how do you, or how did you break the cycle? Did you speak to somebody? Did you overcome it on your own? Like how, how did that happen for you? Yeah, I, I didn't really talk to anybody about it. Um, and, and honestly, uh, it, it all comes down to my, my personal faith in Jesus Christ um, for me. Uh, and that's, that, that was the source of strength for me. And, um, you know, that may not be for everybody, but for me, that's what it was. And, and I'm still, I'm not a very, uh, you know, touchy-feely, talk-about-your-feelings kind of a person. Mm -hmm. uh, that's really not who I am. And um, so other than my wife, after we got married, uh, you know, we, we talked about it, but I haven't really opened up to too many people about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it would be tough when, when, when you're in that position. Um, like we've all seen TV shows and who knows how, what kind of twists and turns and scripts they throw into these things. But we've all seen that it's very tough to get somebody to um, give you their thoughts and their feelings and withdraw them from that person that, that's feeling that way because they become very closed off, at least in, in my experience. So that's very commendable. And it doesn't matter. You, you said that Jesus Christ helped you and it doesn't matter how you get over it. It doesn't matter if it's Jesus. It doesn't matter if it's the faith in yourself. It doesn't matter if it's your parents, your brother, your uncle, whoever is going to be there to help you, allow them to help you get through it, right? Yeah, I think you just need to talk to somebody. I think there's a big, there's a lot of fear involved in depression and depression can happen for many different reasons too. So that's another thing that, you know, I'm not really qualified to talk about. I can talk about, you know, uh, about my experience, but um, you're, you're admitting that you're failing and there's a lot of fear involved with that. You feel like a failure and you feel like if you tell somebody that, Hey, I feel like a failure. Well, they're, they're going to judge me. And it's like this vicious circle of reasoning that you can't get out of. And it's, it's, it's like a rut, you know, you keep walking in a circle and uh, you feel like there's no way out. Mm -hmm. And that's why you start contemplating suicide because you hate the cycle that you're in and you don't see a way out. And, and that's how I felt. I felt like, well, there isn't any way out of this. Things are getting worse, not better. So I'm going to do really what is the selfish thing to do. Cause you know, if I had taken my own life, it would have done just tremendous damage to my family, you know, who loved me. Um, and, uh, and, and 
you know, I, you know, I, now I have three daughters. I have a, a beautiful wife. Um, I have a successful career. I have friends um, all over the world and uh, not just on Instagram. I mean, actual people that I know. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> uh, you know, there's a different, I love all you Instagram guys, of course, but, 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 but yeah, you know, I would have thrown all that away and, and not really uh, understood what I was doing because you, when you're depressed, you don't really consider all those things. Have you, did you, have you known anybody that has t- taken their own life? Yeah. Yeah, I have, unfortunately, yeah. So, uh, many, so, so many, many people. So, so have I. And, and that's how you can kind of, um, you can kind of grasp what, what something like that does to the other people that are left yep. to deal with it. Right. Um, uh, there is a going back to me saying I played soccer all my life. So I took a break and then I started playing as an adult and my brother who played with us, he had a, a really close friend. Um, and one day I got a call from my brother and he said, so-and-so, um, committed suicide yesterday and I'm like oh my god and and it was crazy because he went to a, a school that was under construction and he did it there and the construction workers found him the next day and he had a brother a mom a dad and just the, the fam the family was just a disaster they were just they were and and his friends till this day that were really really good friends with him they're still they're still in shock over it and I've seen what it can do to somebody and if he just reached out because nobody had any idea that he felt this way. Nobody had any idea that he felt this way. And if he had just reached out and talked to somebody about it, he might still be here today. And, and that's, that's what I think the message you're trying to get yeah. across to people is you, you got to talk to somebody yeah. And, yeah, and, um, and get these feelings out and, and try to work past it, right? Yeah, it's amazing how talking things out changes your perspective of them. Now, I'm a, I'm a, Uh, textbook, you know, internalize everything kind of person. Um, You know, my my wife is the opposite. She's always talking to her friends about everything and she wants to talk to me about everything. And, uh, and I'm not that way, but there is some sort of healing that happens when you start verbalizing or at least trying to verbalize what you're thinking. And that's where I struggle because I'm like, how am I supposed to articulate what's going on inside me? It seems impossible but just trying and making an effort um there's there's something healing about that sharing your burdens with with other people um that are are you know in a safe environment where they're not judging you where they care about you um so i would encourage anybody that you know struggles with that give it a try you've got nothing to lose by trying to share your your heartache with somebody your struggle whatever it is um you you got to get it out yeah, you do. And and I'm going to give you an example of my life um, that I, I ended up talking to somebody about stuff that was going on. Um, then we can get into a little bit more HVAC stuff for a few minutes afterwards. But I think it's important to, to do this because these are, we are technicians in this trade. These are our lives, how we came to this point. So it's, it's very important, I think, to tell these stories. So this is going back about two years ago. And there's three things that, that were, was happening in my life that was creating a massive amount of stress on me. So Navac released a little video on their social media and it's a very cool video of the four CFM vacuum pump. 
and kind of its breakdown, but it's done in this like digital video. It's it's very very cool. I posted it because I thought the video was was very cool, and some of the discussion revolving around it as well. I'm in commercial and I don't know if I'd use a pump that small, but just so you guys know, I use the two CFM on a five ton package unit with true blue hoses pulled down to 500 microns in under 50 minutes. It was like between 45 and 47 minutes in that range somewhere. So I'm thinking a four CFM should be able to handle a 10 ton machine with true blue hoses or even vacuum rated half inch hoses. You should be able to get there within the, the, the battery time because the battery time on it is about an hour. And if you have two batteries, you're good to go. You just flip it over. It just eliminates the cord, it's lighter weight and all that. I just think it's the future of things and maybe one day we'll have a battery operated recovery machine too. So I was scrolling through my old pictures and I, about three or four months ago, had taken a picture, grabbed one of my kids' toys, Buzz Lightyear, and I posed them beside the Testo 300 combustion analyzer. The reason I did it is because I'm like, infinity to, <laughs> to infinity and beyond and that's what i really thought i'm like because i'm playing with the the analyzer and i connected to wi-fi in my house then i'm on youtube watching youtubes watching youtube videos of combustion analysis and i'm researching combustion analysis articles and tips on the analyzer itself and i'm like yeah buzz lightyear to infinity and beyond they fit i snapped the pic i posted it on linkedin the other day um but that's where things are going, man. So if you truly want to get the tools that are the future, the Testo 300 right now is, is a sweet analyzer and it's a great option because it's a great tool for what it's meant for. If you guys are on Instagram, I have a giveaway going to Wednesday, January 15th, 2020. Okay. And it's for a yellow jacket hoodie and a yellow jacket pipe bender. Now that pipe bender um, does five sixteenths, three eighths, and quarter inch pipe, I believe. It's just a, a small handheld one; um, doesn't come in a case or anything. But it's it's a free giveaway. So if you guys are interested, hop on Instagram, check out the giveaway from a couple of I think it was from yesterday. Check that out. Follow the rules if you want to apply, guys. Also, I'll be at the CMPX show in Toronto in March twenty fifth, twenty sixth, twenty seventh. And I'll have my own booth and I'll be conducting interviews and I'll be hopefully giving away some prizes and stuff. So come by and see me if you guys are going to the show because I'd, I would love to see you there. Uh, the other thing I was going to mention is I was going through on the weekend, the Blue On app. Now the Blue On app, I at the, the very top of the list, if you're going through units, is Aon. So I clicked on Aon, I clicked on the first model number click on the first model number and that manual just pops up. So I kind of circled Aon, circled the model number and the manual and did three pictures on a post and people are downloading it and everybody that's downloading it, the app, the blue on app is saying it's fantastic just for the manuals itself. And then you can learn more about the refrigerant um, TDX 20 as you kind of look through the app and, and check out its features. This segment of the podcast is brought to you by Harago, a trades-only platform helping you find the right job or the right candidate. Harago.com, best in trade. Um, one, my dog had pat. We had to put our dog down, who who was like 14 years old. That was hard. Within the same month, my father was diagnosed uh, with um, colon cancer. He 
is this is two years removed and he's fine now he's he went through all the treatments he's good and myself and my wife are going through some really hard times and I'm like you know what I can't I can't hold this in anymore I gotta go so I, I made an appointment I went and spoke to I don't know if it was a physio uh, no, physiotherapist. Yeah. She worked, she worked my legs for me. No, it was like, a, <laughs> what do you call it? I can't remember what she was called. She wasn't a psychiatrist or she was, um, she was something along the lines of, of that, but that wasn't her title. And I just sat there and I just spewed everything that has been bothering me and on my chest for, for months and weeks. And I left there and man, did I feel free? I felt like, Oh my God, like, I just feel like I'm lighter. I can walk easier. I can breathe easier. And that was the only time I went because I felt I got, I think everything I needed to say out in one session. Yeah. I mean, and I felt so much better. So the fact that I spoke about it and just said the words to somebody else was a huge, a huge massive step forward for me. Yeah. There's a lot of power in words for good and for bad. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. There is a hundred percent. Which is why you should speak with, you know, some positivity or, or try to, you know, and be kind to people um, it, that that uh, comes back to you. Yeah, exactly. And you don't know, I mean, you can, <laughs> there, there's people online that are complete douchebags and they don't know what's happening in somebody's life. And they could say something that could set someone off, but if they just yeah. said the opposite that could actually change that person's life. You, you never yeah. know, right? So that's why you got to be careful on how you react and approach people. Yeah, that's, that's how I look at it. Like uh, there's, um, <clears throat> you, you never know how one little kind word, just like saying good job to somebody or something like that, yep. to a stranger, that little thing might come at just the right time for them. That could change their whole outlook for that day. And that could lead into a, a better week for them. It could lead into a better month for them to a better year. You just never know how far that might go. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you, man. Um, and speaking, speaking of good jobs, like I'm glad we had that discussion. Um, and, and I think we, we, we both said what, what we needed to say and you've left your, I'll, I'll leave your phone number and your email in, in the podcast notes so people can, yeah, please do if, if they want. Um, I wanted to ask you this and I didn't post this on Instagram because I, I wasn't able to, because it was a, a, a message I received through Facebook and I told the person to post it on my Facebook page. Um, and I actually had a little podcast earlier today, just me just talking about it. This guy posted um, his gauges. It's just a manifold set, not a digital manifold set, just a old school manifold set. And as he was charging, there was little, sharp um, electrostatic charges that were going from the handle of his gauge and hitting the insulation of the pipe. And I'm like, wow, I've never seen that before. So I asked him to post it and then I, I reshared it to my main feed on the Facebook page. And then some people were coming forward saying, yeah, I've seen that before. That's happened to me before. It's happened to the, the point where it shut down my digital manifold or shut down my digital <laughs> scale. And I'm like, wow, that's incredible. Have you ever seen this before? Or heard about it? Uh, no, I haven't. Other than just like if you're uh, if you, if you're dumping refrigerant in, like if you have a system in a vacuum and you just open up the tank and let it 
uh, feed in real quick. Mm -hmm. It'll build up static electric charge and the tank will shock you. Um, but so, I've never so you have felt it in that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll, uh, actually I'll tell you a quick story. I have a friend, uh, out in Utah and he told me this story. He was working uh, with a company at a supermarket and they were recovering huge amounts of refrigerant, you know, the, the super big drums. They must be like 500 pound drums and they had stainless braided hoses and the hose snapped and it started spitting refrigerant everywhere. And he went to grab it and the guy said, don't touch it. And he had to get like arc flash gloves on to grab that metal hose because he said it builds up so much static electricity from the friction of the refrigerant flowing through that metal hose. He said, it'll really get you. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And that's in Utah and Utah is dry, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think, well, I don't know for sure, but I, I think mostly it's upper elevations in Salt Lake city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I can't remember if the, where the person was that posted it, but I, I read something about Arizona. I thought I read something about Arizona, and Arizona's dry because it's yeah de desert area as well. But I've never experienced this. I've 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 never experienced this. So I thought it was it was really nuts to see this. Yeah, maybe and, it's a strictly American phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, it Canadians only happens. It only happens south of the border. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but I somebody reached out to me not too long ago, and and uh, we were kind of well, he was kind of discussing. I was just like, yeah, try it. About coming up with some sort of rig to ground um, his manifold yeah. set, yeah, to, to see if it would prevent it from happening. So, yeah. if anybody's listening, and, and I already said this earlier in another podcast, which I'll be released before this one but i said if anybody comes up with a, a rig that prevents this send it over to me and i'll post it so everybody can see and hopefully it can uh, can prevent it from damaging your gauges or your scale or whatever or giving you a nice shock right yeah actually i think it's on the yellow jacket or it could be on the jb website on one of their documents about re refrigerant recovery it actually, in their drawing, it shows a ground strap from the tank to a, a ground metal object or something somewhere. I've no seen way. that before. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember yeah. seeing that before. Now that you, you brought it up, now I'm remembering seeing that somewhere. Okay. I have to look around and see if I can find that. I'll share it with you. If, yeah, if you ever come across it again, yeah, send it my way because I would yeah. love to uh, see it. I'd love to share it with everybody. Yeah, I'll see if I can dig it up. The other thing um, that's – I was – see my, my podcast today, I just sat in my van. I, it was called, um, random HVAC thoughts part two, because I had random HVAC thoughts one, like, <laughs> like a few months ago. And one of the things I was going to talk about that I forgot to talk about was, um, have you ever used any sort of for indoor air quality? Have you ever used any sort of, um, UV light or anything like that or installed one or use one in your own home or whatever? I've never installed one. I've never used one, but the company that I work for has sold a lot of them. And so I see the effects of them and I always ask the customers that buy them what they think about it. And mm -hmm. for instance, the one that we sell is the, the air scrubber brand. Yep. And I ask them, you know, do you notice a difference when it's working or if it's not? Cause the cells in them only last about two, three years, maybe. Mm -hmm. That's right. So uh, and it's very interesting because some people swear by them and they love them and they say, they claim that they can tell immediately if it's not working. And then other people are like, 
it doesn't do anything. I hate it. I wish I hadn't bought it. And I'm always trying to, cause, and when here's what I tell people, I have no instruments to verify that it's doing anything. I know what the manufacturer claims, but I don't know how to tell you that it's actually doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's the hard part. Um, and, and I was going to talk about my experience with the Remy halo. Cause I have one that I put in probably about a year ago. And when I first got it, everybody's like, Hey, watch out for those UV lights because they, they produce a lot of ozone and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to look into this. So I looked into it and the Remy halo, um, the third party testing, and it was like 0.03 or it was some very, very low number. I don't remember. So don't quote me on that, but it was well below um, the limits that anybody would want to see in their home. And, and I put it in my house and this was actually the same time around before my dog passed away. And when my dog, before my dog passed away, she lost her bladder. She was basically every like 10 minutes, she was dumping like a big uh, puddle of, of urine onto the carpet. Right. And it was like every day we have the steam cleaner out every single day. We're like enough is enough. She's 14. She's lost her bladder. She's going blind. Like it's time to, to put her down. Like, unfortunately that was just the time it was right. Um, and there's this just, you know, when there's pet urine in your house, you can smell it. Right. And yeah. we had plans to rip up our carpet because we had to, because it was destroyed. Um, but I put the Remy halo in and I came home the next day and I sort of got, I walked through the house and you could smell it a little bit, but it wasn't nearly as bad. So it took, it took away a lot of that smell. Um, The other thing that I've noticed is that, so this is, I guess the second winter season, second, I guess, flu season, winter season or whatever that we've gone through with it. And my kids have, barely been sick like going to school um the first few years of them going to school like my oldest is 10 my middle seven and my youngest is in kindergarten like he's a ball of germs like you know what i mean just (laughs) fingers in the mouth touching everything and the the amount of sickness in our home has been reduced and it's not something that i've documented on a sheet of paper or anything on like an excel spreadsheet yeah but But you're a dad I, I, i i yeah i know I, I know that it's, it's reduced it. And this is my, this was going to be in my random HVAC thoughts podcast is that this thing in my, in my mind is doing what it's designed to do and is doing what it's advertised to do. And I just got word that a couple months ago that Remy Halo is actually coming out with an, an LED version of the same product. Um, so right now it's got a UV light in it. Yeah but it does some weird thing. I can't, I'd have to go back and look at the literature. It does some weird thing. And I think it's called, Oh geez, there's a chemical, some, some sort of chemical it releases into the air that kills germs. And it's like 99.9% of sneeze germs are killed by how, by the, the Remy halo and how this, I wish I, um, I got to look it up so I can, I can figure out what this, this thing is, but have you have any experience with this at all besides your customers? Uh, no, no, I, I haven't actually had one in, in my home. Um, so yeah, I can't really speak from personal experience on, 
on that product. I have heard a lot of people talk about the Halo product uh, is really good for for odors. I oh, I, I can I, I can attest to that right away. Yeah, because yeah I've it, definitely it, heard that. It re, it reduced um, odors like automatically. I'm I'm on this I'm on this the website now. <clears throat> okay, so invented to recreate nature's process of purifying the air it's like bringing fresh outdoor air inside without ever having to open your windows and it's effective against all three categories of indoor air pollutants particulates microbial and gases so i mean i'm 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 finding the the benefits of it so i i just wanted to go over that in my my random hvac thoughts but i forgot so i thought i'd ask you while i had you on the on the podcast yeah sure yeah i'm yeah, I really don't have a whole lot of experience with those things. Um, I, I would like to try it out. You know, I'd like to put one in my house just to see if I notice a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it almost boils down to, you know, it, it, I don't know if I'd say emotional, but it's uh, anecdotal, I guess, whatever your experience is, that's how you feel about it. Because it's, it's, it's hard because I don't know how to test, you know, I don't have indoor air quality testing equipment. Maybe if I had a FooBot or something like that in my house, could do like a trending before and after, um, you know, and actually have some documentation, but not quite there yet with my setup. So that this, this is the chemical, or I, I guess it's a chemical that I was thinking of, um, ionized hydroperoxide. That's okay. That's, I guess, in very small amounts, it creates that. And that's what, goes around and kills the germs in your house cool cool man yeah <laughs> i mean any, any anything else you want to talk about uh yeah i mean we can get back on the hvac track uh you, you want to you want me to go into my my how i got into the trade and stuff a little bit sure sure we'll we'll um i mean usually we do like a half hour, 40 minute interview. So we got like 10 more minutes left and you can, you can, you can spew that out. Yeah, sure. I'll try to, I'll condense it down a little bit. So we'll backtrack to 2007. I was working in this warehouse, bicycle parts warehouse, of course. And I had a friend who had his own HVAC company and I knew nothing about central air. I never had central air in any of the houses I grew up in. And he said, I need some help. Do you want to take a day off work and I'll pay you? You can come and help me. And I said, yeah, sure, whatever. So uh, I, I showed up at probably like six o'clock in the morning. And I think I worked till 1130 that night. And I was running flex duck in an attic in Texas all day. And I've been doing it ever since. Um, I quit my job and went to work for him full time. He sent me to trade school, which I loved. And uh, I ended up moving to Florida for a year. I went to seminary actually as a music major, believe it or not. And that wasn't going to work out. So it was a good experience. But And I got to see a little bit of how HVAC is done in Florida, which is a little bit different than, than in Texas, at least in the houses that I was in. So I went back to Texas, went back to work for my friend, and uh, I was his lead installer for a while. And then... Uh, ended up looking for something different. Um, and I wasn't really in love with HVAC. I wasn't really a, an HVAC nerd at that time. It was kind of a job and it was, I liked it because it was challenging because I was used to working hard, you know, working with truck tires is, 
you know, if you can do that and be satisfied, you can do anything because mm-hmm. it's a hard job. So I'm, I'm doing mainly uh, residential retrofits. It's pretty, pretty straightforward. You know, you got five wires in the air handler, three wires for the power, braze here, braze here, you know, little foil tape and you're good. So it wasn't super technical. So then I uh, started looking for something different. I had another friend who had gone into business with his brother-in-law and they had an HVAC company doing a lot of new construction and some light commercial and some refrigeration. And most of their business was in convenience stores. So I started working for them and I thought, man, this is like a whole new world. I, that's where I got into refrigeration. And it was around this time that I had enough uh, experience under my belt to sit for the state exam. So in Texas, you have to have, I think it's 72 months of verified experience and you have to have a license holder sign off on your skill set and your experience and you have to go through a whole lot of red tape and you sit for your exam and you become a licensed state contractor so i went and took my test and uh next thing i knew i was the license holder for the company and we were in business my friend and i and uh we had uh five employees at one point did a lot of light commercial, very little residential, mostly refrigeration, like, you know, refrigeration, convenience stores, walk-in coolers, ice machines, and, and getting into all that stuff was really when I started to thrive and think like a technician and really understand all the ins and outs of what was going on a lot more so than when you're an installer and you're just hooking up equipment, you know, you know, subcooling and superheat and that's about it. But I started getting into uh, the nuts and bolts of um, diagnosing, you know, why things don't work and just learning a lot. And uh, so it was around, um, let's see, I guess it would have been 2014, moved back to Pennsylvania. And now I'm in a different market. And it's funny because in, in North Texas and Fort Worth, Dallas, you're pretty much looking at 80% gas furnaces and heat pumps and that's it. You don't work on anything else mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. You never know when you walk into a house, what you're going to see. Cause we've got oil, we've got gas, we've got propane, we've got boilers, we've got cast iron boilers. You've got combi boilers, high efficiency condensing boilers. Uh, you've got radiant heat in the ceiling. I mean, you, you just never know what you're looking at. Lots of heat pumps, Um, so there's a lot more variety here, which is challenging, um, to, to learn, especially oil for me has been kind of the bane of my existence, but it's been fun (laughs) learning new things. You know, it really, um, it it gets you thinking again, you know, and I've actually started to get a little more fond of oil. At least I'm not scared of it anymore. Um, and getting out the combustion analyzer, which was something I was never taught. So that's something recently, you know, I'm trying to improve on uh, being more thorough and understanding what those numbers mean and what I'm going for. And that's uh, something I'm trying to implement in the company. I I was recently promoted to a senior technician. So I'm doing, I'm going to be doing some of the training for the other technicians in the company. So I'm trying to be the best technician that I can be and, um, and I actually share a lot of the things that I see on Instagram and, and Gary, you shared a couple of things that I just blew me away. The, the one, uh, 
that you showed where the refrigerant was leaking through the molded high pressure switch plug through the wires. Yeah. That just blew my mind. I never would have thought that was possible, but yeah, it, it, it's it funny because I, um, it was my coworker found that on a, a, a leak check years ago and I never seen it, but I heard about it through guys at the shop. Yeah. He found it on the, through the wires of the pressure switch. And then it was about two years ago, maybe two and a half years ago, somebody on my Facebook page posted one and it was, everybody's like, no, that that's a trick. No. And I'm like, <laughs> no guys, like, look, it's yeah. part of the pressurized system. Yep. Like it's just think about it for a minute. If the, if the seal between the switch and, and like the, the electrical part of it breaks, right? Yeah. Where yeah. do you think the, 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 where do you think the pressure is going to go? It's there's gonna, holes, there's holes exactly. down the center of the wire, right? Yeah. It, it does make sense if you think yeah. about it, but it's just something I never really thought could happen. But when you see it happen, you think, oh, well, I guess that is possible. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's very eye opening. Um, yeah. That one and the, the posts you did about carbon tracking. Mm -hmm. um, that was another really good one that I, I really appreciated that. That was really good. I see a lot um, and I'm surprised that it's not more well known as a problem because I see it all the time. Like there's certain units that are prone to it. Um, there's a certain uh, model of carrier that's prone to it just because the, where the uh, electrical panel is at the top of the unit near where the condenser fan is. And I don't know how the, the, the snow and, and all the, and, and all the, the the dirt and dust get in there but yeah. it but it happens um the first time i ever discovered this was geez it's got to be like 15 years ago um i went to a call and this is when my boss like the first owner of the company i work for now was a micromanager and needed to know everything so you had to call him when you got there and tell him what was wrong so i'm like yeah okay the fuses are blown i replaced them i turned the unit back on they blew right away again He's like, is there a lot of dirt and carbon on the top of the contactors? And I said, yeah, there is. And he's like, yeah, you got carbon track. He's like, replace those contactors, clean the wiring, put everything back together. You should be good. And I did. And it was, it was good. And I didn't really understand the, the concept back then yeah. of, of carbon tracking and, and, or dust tracking or whatever. And basically what it is, is carbon dust has, and, and, and this is where I find it a lot. I find it in York units where, the electrical compartment is under a negative because it's, it's kind of not open to the fan section, but yeah. there's a corridor to yep. the fan section. So it pulls in, pulls in dirt and dust and moisture and blah, 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 blah. And, and it just lands on the top of the contactor and it creates um, a path back to the ground, back to the panel, which is ground. So, because it's under a negative, if it's raining outside, it pulls in moisture and that moisture embeds itself right into that dust. And then it tracks back from the line side of the contactor, it tracks back to the panel and boom. And you, you'll go there um, the next day. It's dry. You don't find anything. You mm -hmm. replace you, you replace the fuses, start it up and you're like, yeah, I see you later. Like, let's go. Everything's good. Um, but I discovered with a mega, you can pick this up. If you go to, if you go to, from the line, a lot of times you can see it, you can see 
the top of the contactor, the terminal, the Stacon terminal, you can see it's turned, it's discolored and it looks like it's melted a touch. Um, that's a telltale sign that there's carbon tracking going on. But you can also, it, but if you can't see that visually, if you take, if you see a contactor that looks like it's got a fair amount of dust on it and then you take a Megger, now I have that, just the, the, the Supco M500 that's just got lights on it and a button, right? right? If you take the alligator clips, you go to ground and then put uh, the other alligator clip on the top of the line, take the wires off the contactor and put it on the line side of the contactor and you hit that button and it says bad. I mean, you have a path to ground mm-hmm. from the contactor terminal um, to, to, to the panel. Yeah. And a lot of people say, well, you, Megger is just for testing insulation on wires. Well, that's, that's BS because I've used it for a ton of stuff besides just checking insulation on wires. I mean, I found carbon tracking on many, many systems by, by doing this. Yeah. Well, you're just using the fundamental principle and, and thinking yeah. for yourself. Yeah. And it's, it's like we just said about the, other, the pressure switch. Once you explain it and think about it, it does make sense. But if you've never heard about it, you might not come up with it on your own. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and that's what's good about this whole sharing and, and social media thing. It's, it's really, um, I, I, I know it's got its downfalls, social media. Um, there's a lot of negativity and trolling and all that kind of stuff. But if you can see past that, if you can get yeah. past that, and yep. you can just look at the positive side of things, then, then you, you, you really can take something good away from it oh yeah there's so many quality people out there on instagram i love it uh there's so many good people well there's there's a really good hvac community out there i think uh if you're listening to this and you're not participating you should be because you're missing out so there's another podcast and another story told another technician story told like a real life story that a lot of people out there can relate to and Scott's serious, guys. If you want to take him up on his offer to email him or call him or shoot him a text or something, his offer is legitimate. It's valid. He will talk to you and he will help you if you need that help. So, Scott, thank you very much for offering that. Thank you very much for offering to tell your story because I think it's important for anybody, anybody that feels a certain way um, or has felt a certain way and they've pushed through and made it through to the next level of their life. They really have been there, done that. They can help others that are in the same position. And this is why I love doing this. Anyway, guys, happy HVACing. I'm out.